Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that your spirit would have its way. Lord, yet again, Lord, that your word would be a blessing and a comfort and an instruction, Lord, to each and every one of us, Lord. So this morning, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, would just have free course in this house this morning. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would have free course also to touch, Lord, to move. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Psalm 91. I think everybody's quite familiar with Psalm 91. It's quite well known. And before I even get into this psalm, I'm going to just let you know a couple of accounts um, that have been found uh, through history. Um, Psalm 91 was quite poignant with the soldiers. One account was by a man called F. L. Rawson, and he was an engineer in the First World War, and he was a count of a British regiment, he was under command of a Christian colonel, and he insisted that the troops would recite Psalm 91 every morning. He insisted on it, and they would recite it, they memorised it, all the officers and the men. And in the four years of his command, when all regiments were taking 90% losses, he never lost a man. Now, sometimes we tend to look and think, well, you know, that was so many years ago, things like that doesn't happen today. Well, let me tell you another story now. And you can go online because his testimony is online. This was about an army chaplain. They called him Hardy Higgins. He was an American He was deployed with the 130th Brigade in Afghanistan and Iraq. And he insisted on going out with them every time they went on a tour of duty. With him, he took thousands upon thousands of cards with Psalm 91 on it. He told them to put them in the armoured vehicles. He insisted to the brigade commander that they recite it every single morning before they went out on patrol, everywhere. And I want you to listen to this. He said, more than 6,000 soldiers went through that brigade. Not only was not one killed, not one was even wounded. And the whole time they served in Afghanistan and Iraq. Not one. Isn't it amazing, God's word? Isn't it amazing, the promises that you can stand upon his word and it amazes me because when I was looking and we're only got to get into literally a couple of verses this morning of Psalm 91 but it is a beautiful song but there was some uncertainty if you look through some of the scholars of who actually wrote this psalm um, my personal opinion is that it was Moses that wrote it I was looking through and Years and years ago, actually, they would read Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 actually together. And the historians would say that if there was no name on a psalm, then the previous author is usually the one that wrote it. 
But some say it was King David. But either way, when you look at this psalm, it was written by a soldier. Whether it was Moses, whether it was David. It was written by a soldier, but it was written under the inspiration of Almighty God. So we have this theme in it. And in first one we have, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And there is one thing that I think we can all grasp here. When you're a soldier, that you always know that eternity is never far away from you. There is always a possibility that that could happen. And it amazes me that when we get into the Hebrew of this, he that dwelleth, Yashab, gives the idea to claim or to take up refuge. It speaks of claiming a place that is rightfully yours to take. So this is what it means. So you have to claim it. Nobody can claim it for you. It's the idea it gives. You have to claim it. You have to claim that. And then secret place is siatha, which means a shelter or a covering or a protection. And it gives the idea of somebody who is resting in the presence or the intimacy of the Lord their God. But you can see from the very outset of this psalm the importance of relationship. Of relationship. Because if you were a soldier, let's say even taking back into ancient Israel, ancient Israel, if you were a soldier, your most important thing would be your relationship with your God. It had to be. Because that was the premise on which you were going to fight. And you see, Christian, you see, dear brother and sister, we're in a fight. We're in a fight against the world. We're in a fight against an enemy. And you know what? We're in a fight against ourselves. The flesh. And you see, everything that we do has to be based on your relationship with God. On your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as this psalm says, the first thing you have to do is, what is your relationship like? That is what I'm putting to you this morning. What is your relationship like with Christ? Do you know him? Do you love him? Can you abide in that place when everything seems to be going wrong? Can you go to that secret place where you know that you get the revelation of who he is, his love, his glory, his beauty? Can you go there? Can you go there this morning? Or has it slipped? Has it gone by the wayside? Has the world crept in? Has the things of this world crept into your life? Has the Lord suddenly been put on the back burner? But let me tell you something. There are so, so many people in churches today and I see it in the face and they are so, so defeated. 
I see it. And there's no need to be brother. There's no need to be sister. Because you have an inheritance. You have a strength. You have a blessed hope. A glorious hope. That is Jesus Christ and you can only get it in him. He's your strength this morning. He will be your leading this morning. He will be the one that will take you out of every single situation that you are in. He will lead you and he will guide you. There is no valley that is too dark that Jesus Christ cannot see you and say, brother, sister, son, daughter, come with me. I'm going to take you out of it. This first verse of this beautiful psalm gives us that idea. And notice what 1 John 4 and 16 says. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Isn't that glorious this morning? To know him. That he dwells in you. That he gives you that strength. And it's not of yourself. Because when it is of yourself, you have no strength. Trust me. I've been there. I've tried it. It's weak and it's feeble. But the Lord thy God is with us. And somebody said amen. Amen. Some scholars have said... That this actually was written and given as fatherly advice to the sons of the kings of Israel. It was given as a piece of advice and say, this is how you are to ordain your life. This is how you are to conduct yourself. And when you read Psalm 91 and you see the beauty of it all, you see that there's no finer advice to have. Does this mean then, when we look at this verse, that things are going to be a badge of roses? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But what it does mean is that you will be able to face anything that comes your way because you will know who your God is. You will be in the majority every single time. So if we look at Psalm 91 and verse 2, It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Notice the progression here. The progression. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. In God, in him will I trust. Are you trusting in him? Have you got to that place where you can say, Lord, you can take this because I can't. Have you got that trust in him? When everything seems to be going wrong, maybe even in your family, can you say, Lord, I know you've got this. I know it because it says so in your word. Even the Lord said in John 16, 33, he says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing this morning? To know that the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the world. To know that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for you. 
that he shed his precious blood for you, that he rose again the third day. Now death and hell has no grip on you. Death has no sting on you. Isn't that amazing? Anything that we go through, brother and sister, even in death, we have victory. And that's how we should be. Because a man and a woman of God, when they're in relationship with him, when they're in that place, when they dwell in that secret place, they know who he is. They know that he can strengthen them for the task ahead. They know that every valley that they go through, every single valley that they go through, there's got to be a mountain top. And he will lead them up. So brother and sister, take heart this morning. Take heart this morning. When it says a refuge, it means a place of hope. And a fortress means an immovable object where you could take shelter. And this is exactly the same that describes the word and promises of God. The word of God is a place of hope. The word of God is a strong foundation that you know you can stand upon. It's a place where you can go to. Even in the most darkest of times, you can look and say, Lord, you're with me. Because your word says so. And brother and sister, you can stand upon that promise. That you will overcome because he is in you. He is in you. Don't let this world tell you any different. Verse 3. It says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. You know what the snare of the fowler was? He was the bird catcher. He was the bird catcher because you know what? He knew the very birds of the high price. The eagles and all them beautiful birds. And what he would do for he would tailor make individual laws. He would tailor make them because he would know the nature of the bird. He would know what would attract them to it. And so they would make these laws and then he would leave them there and then all of a sudden they would come and then he would be able to trap them. If you like, he knew their weaknesses. He knew what they couldn't resist. So does the enemy. He knows our weaknesses. He knows exactly what we can't resist. And as you get and walk with the Lord and as you get older, your weaknesses will change. My weaknesses when I was 21 definitely aren't the same weaknesses I have now. But they change. But you see, the enemy will always try and tailor mate because he knows your weaknesses. But know this. This was written, whether it was by Moses or whether it was by King David, it was written by a man. And he would have known snares. Let's say if we take Moses, for example, this was written by a man. Now, we don't usually think of Moses as this way, but he was written, let's say it was Moses who wrote this. He was a great soldier. He was a mighty general. 
He was trained at the best academy there was. He was trained in weapons and tactics. He knew how to lead men. He'd been in battle many, many times. But Moses' weakness was his anger. That was his weakness. And it snared him many times. The people of Israel, when they were brought out in the wilderness, they had weaknesses. And it snared them. When they murmured against the Lord and said, Oh Lord, we can't do this anymore. Let's take us back to Egypt. We want the garlic and the cucumbers. But they didn't realise the promise of God was far, far beautiful than anything Egypt could ever provide. So there was all them snares. But I want you to grasp something. It says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snares. He shall deliver you from the snares. From the noisome pestilence. The noisome pestilence, in fact, in the Hebrew, gives an idea of a siege. Where the poison, the water supplies. And they would throw the animal carcasses over the walls. And it would start to spread disease. And it would start to go rife throughout all the people. And this is where the idea is getting. It says, no snare. No pestilence. I can deliver you from it all. In other words, there's no need to fear anything. You may fall into a snare, but I'll deliver you from it. And when you think about it, even though Moses fell into snares, even though the people of Israel fell into snares, did you see what they saw in the Bible? The very nation was delivered out of the very superpower of that time, which was Egypt. It was took through the wilderness. They were surrounded by enemies on every single side. But not one of them was going to have victory over them. Why? Because the Lord was with them. And let me tell you something. That same Lord, our God, our same glorious Saviour is with you today. His name is Jesus Christ. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. He's with you. He's with you this morning. Just... Read verses 4 and 5. I'm closing soon. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. It didn't matter what the enemies were trying to do, where they come from. The Lord thy God was on their side. And I remember an old soldier once telling me this. It was my grandfather. He said, son, the biggest enemy of a soldier is not the opposition. It's fear. It's fear. Because fear will make you do things that you never thought you would do. Fear can paralyze you. Fear can make you absolutely inactive. And you see, this is what the enemy tries to do. But brother and sister, look what the word says. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of boldness in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the Lord Jesus Christ has come to make you and making you his child. He is fashioning you. He is forming you. You may be on the potter's wheel, but he is taking all the impurities out of you. He is fashioning you to be a vassal of honour that he may pour in more of the living waters and that you may glow, that you may burn, that you may go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to expand his kingdom and for his glory. Jesus Christ is amazing this morning. That precious blood will never lose its power. The devil tried to silence him. The world tried to silence him. The nations tried to come against him. All the powers of devil, all the power of the whole world tried to stop Jesus Christ in his tracks and it couldn't do it. The grave couldn't do it. And the best thing about it is it's Christ the hope of glory that's in you now. It's in you. He's in you. And he's moving through you. I want to give you a quick scripture that the Lord gave me. I remember when the Lord put a call on my life. And I would love to turn around and tell you that when I felt the calling of the Lord on my life, I... uh, I would love to turn around and say, you know what? I went, yes, Lord, great, that's fantastic. I actually went, you've got the wrong guy. No, that's not me. <clears throat> that's definitely not me. You made a mistake. I, I was giving the Lord the, the benefit of my insight, you know. But you know what? <clears throat> he gave me this verse. And I want to share it with you. It was Joshua 1 and 9. I have not I commanded thee. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, wherever soever thou goest. And I want to tell you that this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't fear anything. You don't need to. Because the Lord thy God is with you, wherever you go. Just as he said to Joshua. Joshua, after the death of Moses, he said, Joshua, arise and go and take the land. Why did he say that? Because he'd already gone before Joshua. Jericho had already been defeated before Joshua got there. The enemies of Israel had already been defeated before the Israelites even got there. Because the Lord thy God was with them. I hope you got something out of that this morning. It wasn't really what I intended to say. There was bits there that I did. But I did say this morning, Lord, I just want to bring something from you. Not from me. So I hope you got something out of that this morning. God bless you.